Welcome to the first episode of Mizuma Gallery Podcast. Today we are sharing with you the recording of our very first online artist talk, which took place on Zoom on May 22, 2020. This talk discusses the exhibition The Streets We Saw at Mizuma Gallery Singapore. We have here four of the exhibiting artists as speakers, Ang Song Lian, Marvin Tang, Robert Chow, and Zen Te. This talk is moderated by independent writer and editor, Adeline Chia. Okay, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Adeline Chia and I'm the reviews editor of Art Review Asia. So I'm a writer and an editor. And so just to declare from the start that I know um, the artists involved, friends, as well as uh, Robert Chow is my partner. So um, I, have a, I have a closer relationship to the material as well as to the people. So I hope that it can be a very um, informal and illuminating chat. Um, so this is a, these artists are part of a group show called The Seeds We Sow at Mizuma Gallery, which has been extended to July the 5th, but the gallery is closed. So you can't actually see the show, but I, I hope that this will be a good proxy uh, experience. So um, just some ground rules first. If you have any questions that pop up uh, during the course of this panel discussion, please type them through the chat window and then we'll look at them 15 minutes, the last 15 minutes of the uh, this session. Okay, so, um, so feel free to like type in there and if possible identify yourself. Um, Okay, I think that's all. So we will start. Uh, so welcome. Um, my first question um, to all of the artists is that, you know, besides in the medium of photography, all of your works bear a relationship to nature, right? And so I think that was the overarching theme of this exhibition. So I call of you to give a brief introduction to the works being shown in the exhibition and to share what specific relationship or aspect of nature that your work explores. So maybe we can start with um, Song Lian. Hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for taking time to join us this afternoon. Uh, everybody can hear me, right? Okay. So um, for in 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 this show, um, I'm um, showing two two bodies of work. Uh, one was made earlier uh, between 2016 and 2017. Uh, it's still an ongoing photographic series uh, called As They Grow Older and Wiser. And as well as a site-specific um, installation, uh, Artificial Conditions, um, is, a, is, is a work that um, was made um, very late last year as part of uh, a, sh a solo showcase in the Tokyo Photographic Art Museum last November. So. Um, the I, I I actually see I actually see the 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 installation uh, as part of an expansion from the photographic series as they grow older and wiser. So um, basically, for the entire series, um, it really looks at the the the, the potter plant industry. Um, this was actually started in uh, during a residency that I did in Bangkok, and it was also based on my observations that I had. Uh, within the the Bangkok city itself, uh, looking at the new um, development that's coming up, be it residential, commercial, uh, industrial uh, property spaces. So all these new property, um, all these new properties that are popping up within the city, they are they are all um, adorned with um, a lot of potted plants, and that also led me to look at um, the, the 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 home. The whole idea of removing uh, exotic plants uh, found in northern um, Thailand in Chiang Mai. So a lot of um, a lot of people are also exploiting this 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 loophole because basically what they are not allowed to do is to remove all these exotic plants that's found in Chiang Mai because it, it it's of a different uh, climate um, with the hills and the mountains in Chiang Mai. So um, there are some rare plants and trees that's found there and. And people are, are resorting to paying um, farmers in Chiang Mai to dig up all these trees and, 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 and moving the entire trees all from, from, from northern Thailand in Chiang Mai all the way down to Bangkok. So that also um, led me to look at the way 
uh, we were planting and the way we were incorporating um, um, plants into the urban landscape. So um, the, the, the decision was, was made to, um, to visit uh, many nurseries uh, found in Bangkok. And what I wanted to do was to, was to portray this, or rather to provide this kind of experience whereby we are walking into a natural environment where in fact, the images that we're looking at, uh, they are all um, manipulated and highly controlled because they are all um, taken um, in plant nurseries itself. So um, there's a certain amount of um, control uh, which involves me moving plants and moving trees within the nursery itself to, 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 to form up that kind of landscape. And moving on to the site-specific installation, it comprises of 10,000 um, 10,000 biodegradable plant pots. They are not really big, they're actually quite tiny, about 8.5 centimeters in diameter. And I, this, this, this book actually came up uh, as part of an exploration, really just playing with the different kind of materials that we're familiar with in uh, plant nurseries. And I found that, and I felt that um, our, the, the plant pot itself would be one of the more synonymous object um, in our, in our kind of relationship that we have with potted plants. So, and also taking in, and also playing also around with the idea that um, we are manipulating nature and converting that, and converting what is natural and put, making it into something that's man-made and then repurposing it as part of uh, like landscaping to make, to convince ourselves that everything, that, that what we're seeing feels very natural. So this, this whole idea of landscaping and terrain came to mind and, and hence the idea to, to repurpose um, something that is so man-made um, to create something that we might um, associate or something that we might feel as though we are looking at a, a terrain uh, which you will be able to see um, through, um, I mean right now through the photos, but when, when you're able to see in person at the gallery, you'll be able to see very gentle or very subtle um, 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 terrains that's being formed by merely just the arrangement of so, yep, that's, that's about it for me. Evelyn, you're muted. Sorry, thank you. So maybe we can move on to Marvin now. Yep. Hi, sorry, I hope you can hear me. Uh, so the work that I'm showing in this exhibition is called a, The Colony, um, The Colony Archive. It's part of my research when I was doing my master's. Um, so I spent, a, I spent some time in London looking at a lot of botanical gardens, especially the Kew Botanical Gardens. And the work was really derived from my research at Kew Gardens and also its association to the Singapore Botanic Gardens. Um, so I, if you look at the installation view of the space, um, it comprises of postcards as well as um, some images as well. Um, so the work came about when I was looking into how um, botanical gardens were constantly formed across colon, uh, colonies and why there were such important kind of institutes among the colonies as well. Um, and at a, during that period of time, I also happened to stumble upon postcard fairs in London. And there was this huge postcard fair that would happen uh, every month. And that was where I started collecting postcards. And I realized that there was a huge collection of Southeast Asian, or sometimes they would call it the Far East postcards of botanical gardens. So as I started collecting all these postcards, I realized that there was a certain kind of um, visual similarity going across um, the various botanical gardens, um, whether it's in Singapore or whether it's in uh, Kandy, Sri Lanka or India as well. And I started amassing this postcard, trying to understand um, the purpose and agendas of this postcard. So the colony became this, this larger project where I'm constantly working to understand how it, the botany has really changed um, the environment that we live in but also how it has impacted countries individually as well. Um, for this exhibition in itself, um, I'm showing the colony archive, which is as, as just now we saw the image of it. Uh, it's a series of postcards that are created by myself, um, together with some archive, photo, archive postcards that I found along the way. Um, trying to put them together to create a kind of a cohesive, singular botanical garden that is called a colony. Um, so this is actually the very first time I'm showing this work. And, um, in the future, we are hoping to expand it um, in terms of the number of botanical gardens that you see in this installation. 
Um, but in this installation itself, it has a series of postcards that is from Singapore, as well as Kew Garden, mixing them up, trying to um, create a sense of a single botanical garden. Yep. So that is the work that I'm showing in this exhibition. Okay, thank you. How now, uh, moving on to Zen. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us and taking the time out today. Uh, so my work is um, titled uh, Reclaim Sculpture Domestic Landscape. Um, so maybe yeah, Teresa will show the image I think in a short while. Um, so I've actually just started recently uh, working on refurbished furnitures. So these are all furnitures that are sourced uh, from secondhand source. I think for this one particularly, maybe a lot of you also like to shop on there is from Carousel. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so from Carousel, actually, I, I looked through a lot of these um, furnitures that people are selling, uh, and this particularly caught my eye. Uh, I knew that I was searching for um, a, a, a furniture uh, because I really wanted to make my practice a lot more sustainable. So one of the things you have, you have, people probably know already about my work, also in previous works recently, is a lot of like, picking up of uh, found objects, repurposing them, uh, and then in some ways you can call it sort of like upcycling them. Um, so in, in, in this case, in this exhibition, um, this book itself talks about um, the idea of being a domestic. Uh, domestic in the sense of um, within an interior space, but also in terms of uh, looking at the mindscape of the artist. So in a way, the motives of nature that you see in uh, the different facets of the cabinet. Some are already existing there. Uh, then there are others that I've added on top of it. Uh, but more importantly, you see right now the image that Teresa is showing. That is actually one of the uh, light box image that I've created. And the images um, are constructed from, um, from my travels of images um, around actually in Singapore primarily. Uh, and, and then they were created and, and combined in a way to uh, articulate a sense of um, emotion, a stage of my life, and also talking about the uncertainty in this period of time. Uh, so this work was actually created during the COVID-19 period. Um, so, so I've been, I mean, like all of us, we've been quite kind of homebound. I think everyone else uh, in the world as well. Uh, so in a way, the, the different motives and skills of nature uh, really presents the or represent the different yearning towards different skills of nature that we have. So in the in the in the cabinets, if you open them in different facets, some of them show potted plants, some of them shows sort of like in the facets. Um, uh, right here, you see in this view, uh, actually people within, of course, it's a kind of traditional kind of you know, Chinese architecture. Uh, but in a sense, the work travels across time and space and looking at how within domestic space, we have a yearning towards a larger landscape and you see the motifs of the cloud leading towards the top where you then see and you open up and you see the mindscape of the artist. Um, so, so that is uh, generally what my work is about. I think in terms of Adeline's questions about what photography plays in the role of this work, I think it no longer, it, I'm no longer looking at it as photographs, I think. Uh, the photographs become materials that create uh, the message and playing with other motives as well and other materials uh, to, to appropriate them into um, communicating that artist's vision and that discussion about how we yearn for nature in different uh, perspectives and dimensions. Yeah, I hope that helps to understand. Yeah, so you can see some of the other images. Um, yeah. So the... the all the decorations on the cabinet itself, you painted it or it was existing? You were saying partly some you added and some was already there. Yeah, so um, the motives that you see on the cabinet itself were already there. Okay, mm. so what I did was that I actually uh, refurbished and uh, in some parts that are uh, not so clear or not in such good condition, I've actually uh, improved on them in that sense. Um, but um, the the light boxes are created from scratch. The images are mainly local images. Um, uh, some of them are um, just images that are of landscapes that are quite close to me, uh, near my place, and some they are further away in other nature reserves and parks. Um, so so my work is also, um, as you can probably see, a very strong Chinese landscape uh, influence there. 
Um, so for me, uh, the idea of uh, the landscape being a representation of um, an emotion and of course the inner landscape of the artist is something that I borrowed from the um, Song Dynasty landscape painters and also of course they are uh, heavily used as well in the Yuan Dynasty uh, landscape paintings. Um, so in, in using the scales of nature um, in uh, elements in, and using uh, people uh, embedded within different parts of the work, uh, you can see that when juxtaposed in terms of the scale, you imagine sort of like yourself traveling, you change through uh, this landscape. And some of them are more daunting. Uh, some of them are rather, in fact, quite unclear what uh, kind of space it will lead to or what kind of challenges that may be beyond that. Uh, particularly, you can see from the top cabinet uh, image, uh, and I think, yeah, this one here, where um, part of the cleave is actually hidden within the form. And that's also inspired by uh, Liang Kai's painting. Uh, Liang Kai was a, was a painter in attendance at the Song, uh, Song Dynasty Imperial Painting uh, Academy. So it was a prestigious kind of position. Uh, and he, um, he was actually really known for his painting that has been embedded with uh, kind of like Chan or Zen Buddhism. And he talks a lot about uh, life and how um, he, he contemplates upon life. Yeah, so that kind of use of illusion, I think, between his work was also something that I've incorporated here. Hmm. Okay, thank you. And then uh, lastly, uh, how about Robert? Can you share a little bit about your work? Uh, hi. Uh, works that I, I'm showing it inside the exhibition are actually part of a on series going up on, ongoing series of work. Uh, is it being shared the image? It's not showing up, Robert. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think this this is good. Okay. So it's basically two sets of images. Uh. So revert very bad. So nobody said anything. So I think it's okay. Um. So you can see on the it's two sets of images. Basically, images that I've received, um, that I've gotten from secondary forests in Singapore. And uh, secondary forests, um, are forests that are kind of a regrowth uh, from a landscape that has been disturbed by man before. Uh, and these forests are usually, uh, they are different from primary forests. Primary forests are the forests that you get from um, Bukit Timah and Central Catchment. These are kind of older forests and the ecosystems are more uh, fixed and I think more vulnerable as well. But for secondary forests, they are very new. Uh, they are made out of usually very new invasive species uh, and species that are kind of uh, I would say stronger um, and, and not kind of uh, familiar with the landscape. Uh, and we have a few of this kind of landscape or this kind of secondary forest in Singapore. And, and these forests are not protected. They are kind of a, in an in-between state where it's, uh, it has not been developed and it's waiting to be developed. And meanwhile, uh, it's, uh, nature kind of takes over. And, and this is not something that we plan. And it's really um, a different kind of nature and different kind of green that we see uh, when we walk along the streets anywhere. Singapore is very green, and, but this, this, uh, a lot of green that we see is made for um, humans in mind. Cities are made for humans, understandably. So that's why all these green spaces are, are made mainly for our enjoyment. Uh, and, and, and it really, this, a lot of green spaces are, are created in such a way that we do not need to maintain them. Um, so, uh, we have species that really are for pure aesthetic reasons and, and has almost zero ecological use for any other uh, species that are non-human. Um, and so by going to the secondary forest, I, I'm trying to look at or to see, to find a way to look at uh, to think about all these non-human species, and this could be animals, insects, or plants, and try to think of a way to, to uh, look at their presence 
uh, on, on our island. And I use photography a lot. Um, and photography, I think, allows me to kind of have a, a different kind of sense of time uh, with nature. So all these are taken from camera traps um, a few years back. And these camera traps are cameras that scientists use. Uh, they use it, and they place it usually somewhere, and then uh, using a heat sensor or motion sensor, it will start to take images or videos. Um, and then these images are kind of in sets of four in kind of a time sequence where it's a movie clip. Uh, it's almost like a kind of Albert Milbridge kind of time sequence where you can see animals moving from left to right or going in and out of things. Uh, so this is my kind of a very seemingly objective study of animals going about uh, what they do in a kind of a man-made landscape. Um, yeah, so this is um, kind of um, the work that is in the show. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for sharing. Um, so maybe we can touch on, I think some, some of you actually touched on this, but I, I want to go into it a little bit deeper. Like as what Robert mentioned, he's saying that in, there is a certain quality of photography that helps to bring out certain themes in your work uh, that, you know, is specific to the use, the medium. So Robert mentioned that um, photography allows him to, uh, what was it, to capture time? Yeah, because he his is a time sequence, right, of images. But I was just wondering maybe if the other artists could uh, share, but what exactly about photography is uh, specifically relevant to the ideas that you're trying to investigate? Um, I think for, I, I'm just going to jump in first. Um, I think for me, wh wh whatever they were looking at, I mean, especially in my case, um, um, the, the, the whole idea of um, owning potted plants, um, it, it's, it's something that I think most of us would actually like to see grow from, basically from a seed into a, into a seedling and then the, as, as, as the plant grows, as the plant slowly grows bigger and bigger. And I think um, using photography uh, in relation to the time, in, in relation to the time aspect, um, it, it, it actually allowed me to, to, I wouldn't say exactly to, to freeze it because I mean, when plants really do grow, grow very slowly. I mean, they, they, they have their own pace. And I mean, this, this, this is also something that uh, in a previous um, conversation that the, the few of us had, I mean, Robert mentioned this to, to, to a journalist talking about uh, plants and trees uh, growing and nature having their own pace and us having a total different, different kind of pace altogether. But yet, at the same time, uh, both us and the plants were all growing at the same time. Um, and this really made me think a little bit more uh, about whatever that I'm looking at, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at quite a wide range of, 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 of nature in, in pots, be it in pots, because some of them, they are potted plants, some of them, they are young trees, and some of them, they are actually old trees. So, so it's actually a, quite a wide range of different kind of plants that I have, that I have come across at different nurseries, witnessing um, people buying them at, at, at different at different at different stages of, of, of their plant growth, and um, so this this whole idea of freezing uh, as to what photography or the camera does as a tool, um, to me it is it, not that much about freezing freezing a frame, but uh, actually being being there to, to be able to see um, the plant at, at a particular stage of its growth. Because when I, was, when I was doing my residency in Bangkok and I had to go back to the nurseries multiple times to be to photograph new, new plants, new pots or 
re-photograph some shots, I was able to uh, witness for myself how the plants themselves, um, they, 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 they start to, they, they, they look so, so vastly different just between a time frame of one to two weeks time. I mean, for, for a lot of us who have hotter plants at home, even just um, seeing the plant in the morning and seeing the plant in the evening, you're able to see the, the plant seedlings just, just moving towards the sun. And by the next day, if you flip it around away from the sun, the next day is just going to go back and lean back towards the sun all over again. So to me, um, the, the, the whole process then be, suddenly becomes uh, more meaningful in the way we, we are able to witness um, the growth of me. Okay. I, I mean, uh, thanks for sharing. It's, so you're saying that um, photography is, you know, as a record. But I also find like in your work, there is a play with this sense of scale. Like, uh, I think the, the, whole, the whole idea for me looking at the picture, why it's interesting is that it looks like a forest, but actually when you look at it more closely, it's actually uh, a very cropped uh, view of uh, nursery plants, right? So mm. uh, do you also consciously play with the different scales and the, the kind of a real status of a photograph in this way, or you're trying to, you know, make it ambiguous in any way using uh, this visual? Um, the, the decision on the dimensions and the scale was also um, informed by my, my initial experience going to a nursery when I was a lot, lot younger. So, so what happened is my father used to bring me to plant, nurse, plant nurseries, not to buy, but just to do. And when, when I was a lot younger, walking among, the, walking among the, the, the plants, the taller plants, it really felt as though I was stepping into the forest. And that was, the, that was what I wanted to recreate uh, in terms of experience when it comes to this, 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 this photographic series. So um, the, way I, the way I cropped the images and also the way I presented in terms of scale, um, all those then made, um, to me, they mattered quite a lot. Uh, um, in, in, in the way we would then experience with the artwork. Okay, thank you. And um, also, we, we, you know, just now Zen mentioned um, the influence of the Chinese classical painting tradition, that the landscape as an expression of an interior mind and interior mood. Uh, I was just thinking about uh, maybe in terms of Marvin's work, you could share a little bit more about the, the use of another kind of genre the vintage postcard and and, and what what uh, what kind of interventions are you trying to do uh, to this tradition hmm. yeah so actually the idea of the vintage postcard it's the collaboration between postcards and photography it's it's only like a 60 year difference from the invention of photography in itself and the photography's entrance into singapore was also a matter of time as well so to look at Postcard, postcards in itself, you have to look at the history and the kind of content that um, people were using postcards for. And during that period of time, even before photography was um, kind of melded into uh, postcards, um, a lot of these postcards were used for even satirical meanings. Um, artists were beginning to use postcards as well as a means of delivering a message. Um, at the same time, um, in terms of colonial powers, you are looking at how we can share the imagination through postcards. So during this period of time, which I'm particularly interested about, um, during the 1970s all the way to the 1900s, it was considered as the time of Victorian age. It was a Victorian age of exploration. Uh, it was this point where there was an interest to amass knowledge from across the world. And postcards become a very easy and accessible way for people to collect the world in a, in a matter of fact. Um, so if you want to, if you are looking at postcards, um, one of the, uh, a writer who talks about archive, uh, Ernst van Elfen, um, she said in her book that um, photography and imperialism would come and meet and collaborate. And I think in many cases, if you look at the medium of photography as a tool of recording, a tool of investigation, a tool of records, um, you see the photographs of the ruler to, beside the head of a, a man in Africa. You see the image of um, a cluster of tribal men standing together, taking a, being photographed together at the same time. Those were the means where photography would come in and we are talking about intervention towards colonialism as well. 
Um, in the case of postcards, um, postcards become this symbol of exoticness. Um, people were not just interested to see the exotic, they were interested to see what uh, the colonial powers were doing outside of the country. So in Singapore, for example, you see postcards of um, the Raffles Museum, um, even Raffles Institute. Um, these were they were interested in what were, what were the colonial powers doing in the country itself. But at the same time, um, in the same collection of image, you also find botanical gardens. And I think that's where you really realize that um, it's not just the landscape they're interested, they're interested in how um, the, institute, the institute is present as well. And again, coming back to the, the whole point of it being a tool of recording, I think if you look across um, the idea of gardens and this very curated space, it is something that is very aligned to culture as well. Um, and when we, are looking, when, when we talk about plants and there was a huge interest in being able to move plants from the Far East over to Britain, for example. So for example, they, they spent a lot of time trying to move ferns from um, Australia to the UK and they couldn't do it for many years. And, and when they finally did it, there was a huge invasion of ferns uh, coming into the UK as well. And I think likewise, when it comes into, when we are talking about picture postcard, um, it is a way for them to be able to bring in a bit of the exoticness that they, they can only imagine or they can only read through books. And being able to have these postcards become a, a very interesting means of um, seeing the Far East. So I think playing on the tropes of this and talking about having this, this very singular idea of a garden, I think postcards blur the line of um, the, where the, the image is taken. It blurs the line of um, the, the provenance of the whole postcard in itself. For example, when I was when I'm collecting the postcards, I have postcards that origins from maybe Japan or Indonesia, but at the same time, it is an image of a Singaporean uh, Singapore botanical gardens. So I, I think this ambiguity in postcards is a very interesting thing in photography as well. Oh, thank you. So I guess in your work, I sense like it captures um, the complicity between. Uh, the colonial uh, powers as well as the other um, knowledge, botany, and um, uh, as, as well as imperialism, right? But I, I, you, you mentioned that you wanted to create this singular garden, which I think speaks about a certain homogeneity about the colonial imagination in trying to certain, recreate um, the, the, the same idea in different places, right? So is, is this right? Is this, is this what you're trying to get at? That there's a certain homogeneity in the vision of what a garden should look like uh, in the colonial imagination? Yeah, so I mean, if you talk about gardens and you think about similarity of gardens, you would want to think about the gardeners as well. Who is gardening the space? And a lot of gardeners who were in charge of botanical gardens across multiple colonies were coming from Kew Gardens. Or even if they did not start from Kew Gardens, it was dispatched from Kew to another garden who understudied and then came to Singapore. Um, for example, um, Henry Riley, who, who is in charge of the Singapore Botanical Gardens, uh, was from Kew, went to Calcutta to um, do his research and then came to Singapore as well. So um, a lot of tropes that you see in British gardening in the DR Botanical Gardens are carried forward um, into many of the colonies as well. Um, for example, in Singapore's Botanical Garden, in the beginning, you see patterns of symmetrical gardens. And then later on, the, the British were very interested in this asymmetric style as well. And you see that being transferred into other botanical gardens as well. So in your works, I think you, you include like actual postcards as well as uh, postcards that you invented, right? Like uh, you collage, uh, maybe to following these tropes that you just described. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I wouldn't say that I collaged it. I think the interesting thing for me was that when you go to these botanical gardens, plants from different parts of the region might be collected together in the same place and presented in the botanical garden. I think these are, um, this is what um, I felt were kind of impossible landscapes, things that would not occur in, in the wild, in first-hand nature, um, which were very interesting for me. And, being able to put them together as a collection of postcards, I think that was more important. Mm. Okay, thank you for sharing. I think uh, in contrast... Sorry Adeline. Uh, sorry, Adeline, if I can just remind you of the time check. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, 5.40, so we probably have about five minutes to go before we can move on to the questions. 
That's really <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, it's really really fast. Yeah. Perfectly, Robert. You also have to be brief. Um, I think what I feel is an interesting contrast to your work is Robert's work because you, uh, your work is and as far as Songyun's work is about very manicured versions, controlled versions of nature, domesticated or colonized. Um, Whereas Robert's work is trying to capture a bit of wilderness in a place that is not very wild. It is trying to do, in fact, the opposite. Maybe a part of Singapore that is undisciplined in a way by urban planning or by uh, human intervention. So um, can Robert share a little bit more about your, your, your thought processes behind your work? Uh, so I'm very cautious about um, I mean, I'm trying to document nature in Singapore for some time and it's extremely difficult to do so because if you go to a forest with me before you know that nature is very boring there's nothing happening there are just a lot of trees there's a lot of mosquitoes and um, this is the, our first impressions of stepping into a tropical forest or wasteland in Singapore it's very extremely humid there's nothing predictable about it. It's not like a bot the botanical gardens, um, which Marvin is very interested in. It's not aesthetic. It's, it's not an aesthetic. We have no place at all in most very wild landscapes. But at the same time, everything in nature, if you know how to look with science or with other different kinds of lens, you can see that um, nature and human culture is not very far from each other. We are always connected. And a lot of times, nature doesn't really care about the boundaries that we set for it. Nature doesn't uh, respect our boundaries. Nature has its own life force. Nature is not a generic thing that science can really very much explain. So I'm looking for a way, um, as an artist, to kind of try to approach this nature and this wilderness. How, how can I contribute another perspective or another way to think about it? Um, and then what are some of the existing ways that people are already looking at nature? We have so many nature photographers everywhere in the world right now. Everyone has a camera, everyone is out there shooting nature. There are so many beautiful pictures of nature of Singapore. Then how then as an artist, how do we contribute a kind of different lens or different viewing experience? So for me, I realized it's not really going out there in a way that you're hunting for images with a large lens. And then, you know, looking for beautiful species, you know, uh, that kind of photography has had its own use. But I think how, 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 what other kind of dialogue can I kind of uh, lend to this um, uh, relationship we have with nature? So I'm always thinking about that. And that's why I started doing talk, uh, walks in the forest. Um, this kind of, I think, is a very good way for me to kind of uh, bring people to look get nature directly a lot of um, and then i also started to do kind of uh, photography without me inside it's just um, in a way my cameras are inside the forest sometimes as much as 50 are in the forest and then i i just let nature does its thing you know when it rains it will capture an image when the leaves move there's a moth that flies through an image will be passed and after one year of doing it i realized oh my god it's so boring there's really some things happening, but there, there is also nothing happening. But then actually, the more I look at it, actually, this is what really is nature is about. It, it, it doesn't kind of perform a drama that we look like an ego is eating a, a mouse or whatever. You know, these this are kind of the nature that we see on National Geographic, uh, authors eating fishes. And these are the kind of images and tropes that I think we, we always expect nature to entertain us with it has the kind of certain aesthetic expectation. But, but at the same time, um, I realized in the forest, actually every forest, every landscape, every piece of grass, there is a story and there's a narrative in it. Like the patch of forest near our house. It's different from the patch of forest near my house. And, and all the species of plants inside, it's probably got its own history, history of our, our um, kind of land use, our parks use everything to kind of contribute to that final landscape. And I, I'm sure all the birds there, even if it's the same species, they behave differently from the species in Bukit, from, from as the, the same species in Bukit Nima. And, and the thing is, I'm trying to understand 
or capture how you know the individual uh, how each this species of animals or plants can be also individuals in their own sake we need to take the time to kind of enter that, that zone where it's it's kind of very it's more slow it's more kind of historical and more personalized um yeah okay thank you um actually i think maybe we can have one last question and then uh, for everybody and then we can move on to the q a i think it's interesting what robert touched on about um capturing a, a different relationship to nature and because he uses time sensor cameras even relinquishing authorial control in a way um, to impose a certain uh, order or aesthetic or framing onto his work. So I want to pose a question to all of you. Um, what, do you what is your um, comfort level with aestheticizing nature for your art? I mean, I think one of the questions that have been asked, uh, later we can go into it in more detail, is how is your work complicit with the colonial imagination which actually separates man from uh, or culture from nature very very uh, distinctively right so but maybe my question is a bit um, more formal is like what do you feel um how do you, do you do you have any discomfort about aestheticizing nature for your artworks or maybe you can share about what are the other strategies that you you use uh, i think i try to steer away from any um colonial ways of catalyzing uh, of trying to engage with nature or think about nature um, but a lot of science is like that uh, and i work with science so i that's why i think because i'm precisely not a scientist i'm an artist uh, I, I try to kind of steer myself away uh, from that but i think it, it's extremely hard because photography itself um, lends to this trying to capture and take things away. So that, that in itself is very colonial, is to try to amass something, you know? Um, so I, I guess in a way what me and my peers do is we, I think conceptually, we try to fight and resist against that. Um, that it's not a pure aesthetic, uh, aesthetic experience uh, that we take away from nature. Uh, it's aesthetic to a certain way, uh, to a certain degree, but I think we, we, we are, at, at least for me, I'm, I can speak for myself, I'm aware of that and I try to kind of, instead of imbue a sense, to, to exoticize my subjects, um, I try to give them a sense of uh, unknowability, that, that it's no longer something that we are very familiar with. It's not, I'm not trying to um, kind of take them and kind of glorify them as a kind of trophy. So I, I, I think a lot of nature photography tends to have a certain narrative and some, some kind of, uh, it's it kind of like an approach to hunting almost. So I, I think none of us here in the exhibition, we do that. You know, we go out there to collect trophies for our war room uh, back home. But, but we are trying to kind of talk about different ways that we have kind of uh, messed up or did that with nature historically or in a contemporary sense. Thank you. Uh, does anyone else have something to add? Yeah, I think for me, um, I think I've mentioned already before that the, the images are like materials. Uh, but more importantly, I think in this show, because they are sort of a composite of my travels as well. So, and, and sort of my interaction with nature. But in a way, they are being... Um, they are being changed in the context of this world because they're being collaged together to form another kind of experience. I think in a way, it's looking, it's looking more of from um, um, creating a larger landscape point of view than being like human-centric in the sense of controlling the landscape. Uh, it isn't so much about that, I think. It is more of an Eastern, I think I would say Asian, or even a very Chinese in a sense point of view of how we are actually smaller than nature. Uh, and I think that shows very much in our work, in my work, and how I explore that as a relationship. Um, yeah, so I think in the discussion that we have so far, I, I feel that it's quite a Western kind of centric point of view where the human controls nature. And I, I, and I don't, don't think that uh, is, is quite how I see nature. I see more kind of an experience and I'd like to share the experience through 
um, the way I present nature in different ways in my work. Yeah. Okay. Uh, song? Uh, sorry, Adeline. We yeah. actually have quite a number of questions in the chat. Would you like to refer to them to see uh, for the Q&A section? Okay. Yeah. Okay, maybe we'll take the one from um, How has Breaker changed the way you work, seeing as a lot of the work involved going outside? Has it made you investigative of your internal world? And for the galleries and curators, what have the challenges of moving an exhibition online? Maybe we'll just pick the artist question, yeah? So how has Circuit Breaker changed the way you worked? I think for me, I think it's quite obvious. Um, because this book was made during COVID period. Um, there's no way I could be going out there to take photographs. Uh, but for me, I mean, there was a really kind of investigating in the sense of the inner mindscape and how I relate to nature. So I think it's kind of a natural uh, progression as well to my own work. Um, but I think definitely it, it makes me having to look more within. I think more than any other works that I've created, it is uh, a lot more about my inner mindscape. In fact, I started to reflect about the stage of life, what the kind of challenges I need. Apart from COVID, of course, I think everyone faces challenges at different phases of their life. So I wanted to create a kind of like inner mindscape that everyone to kind of relate to it and you can look at it at different junctures or stages of your life and, and, and see and interpret the landscape in different ways. So that is the way that I try to uh, draw people to connect and relate to nature. So, um, for me, it, it hasn't really changed the way I work. I mean, I've just not been producing. <laughs> I mean, we're being dealt with a pandemic and I feel that um, I, I think a lot of artists and a lot of people who do creative work, somehow they, they feel the pressure and the need to keep on producing. So this is actually my shout out to everybody. I don't think I don't think we need to feel the stress to, to to keep on producing because this is really not like normal times. But having said that, um, myself and I believe uh, there are also many other artists. They actually end up spending a lot more time working on their research, uh, which which I think is 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 a uh, which I think plays an uh, equally important role in the way we. We prepare and the way we produce our works as well. I mean, right now, um, I'm I'm preparing for work. I, I I can't really make it, but at the same time, um, this this the the, the way the the situation sort of like soft forces and encourages us to, to to slow down and to think a little bit more, read a little bit more, uh, look and observe a little bit more. So I think that that actually helps um, in in what we will uh, say. Uh, with the production of our work. Not exactly making, but more of preparation. And, yeah, just re-looking at things. Mm. Marvin? Yeah, I think what Song mentioned was uh, is absolutely right. I think there's this inherent pressure to deliver, but at the same time, it's also a very good time for us to look and just think about what we are doing in a whole. Uh, I'm supposed to be doing a residency now, which is quite impossible. Uh. So I'm doing it turned into a, like a home residency at the same time. Um, but at the same time, it was a very good period of time to really just sit down to think about, um, not thinking about how the work might look like, but just gathering the information first, um, trying to get a sense of where it can go. Um, and I think the extra challenge would be now that we see things extending, then how would the work be made? Um, is there other forms? where the research and the work can be developed. Um, and I know the word digitalization is a buzzword right now, but uh, the reality is it really forces you to think about um, how else it can exist on a different kind of platform. Yeah. Okay. Uh, taking a question from Anne Lim. So she says, looking at nature as a construct of humankind and more specifically the colonial logic of hierarchies that are human-centric, how do you think that your works push against or are complicit with colonial dichotomy of man and nature. So I think I did address it a little in his, what he said, um, in that he tries to 
uh, and use uh, camera traps and then like project an unknowability instead of trying to, to, to own it or to, or, or to uh, use it for an aesthetic image, uh, collect it as a trophy, as he said. But I was just wondering, maybe this also really specifically also uh, refers more to Marvin and Song Nian's work. Yeah, because Song is about the domestication and the, the way that we have converted uh, nature into potted plants and the way that we, do, we bring them indoors. And uh, so maybe you two could share a little bit more about that. Who wants to go first? Marvin, you want to go first? Oh. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say maybe not for this body of work. Um, if you really want to talk about that dichotomy as well, but if you really want to look at nature, we, we can observe how things are being moved around. Um, for example, if you, um, to construct plants, and the idea of moving plants to create gardens is not a very new idea. In fact, it has happened in Egypt all way back in the 13th BC as well. Um, and the idea of how we create a hierarchy with plants, it's, it's something that is explored through and through um, over a long period of time. And if you think back about colonial times, and again, coming back to the analogy of how they were trying very hard to move ferns from Australia to the UK, um, they did end up coming out with a technology called a Wadian case in order to move plants. And that itself became a, a way for us to domesticate plants as well, um, which might be a very good segue for Zongian. Um, but if you look at Wadian cases and uh, the way that we talk about terrariums today, um, that is our modern way of interpretation, our relationship with plants. It tells us a lot more about our very physical and the, the need for plants to be present, both as a very decorative, but also as a very psychological need as well. Um, so yes, definitely I feel it has gone past colonial matters as well. Definitely we are still going through the impacts of how plants will move across the world. For example, in Singapore, we see Brazilian rubber trees um, on our sidewalks as well. But at the same time, our relationship is constantly shifting and changing with nature. Yeah. Mm. And I guess that I feel like your work doesn't aspire it, it, it is positioned as an artwork, it doesn't aspire to capture any reality so-called uh, that maybe the other earlier creators of these postcards uh, had. And of course the agenda that your, your work uh, has is very different to the agenda of these uh, colonial postcards as well, right? Yours is a more open-ended and searching kind of approach and also to it has this fantastical element, it, it, it's, it's imaginary. So you're constructing narratives, a new, a new narrative out of the old narratives, right? So I, I think that maybe it, it doesn't have such a direct hierarchical relationship between you, the artist, and the, and the material, because you, are, you yourself are already working with a mediated image of yep, me. Right. Yep. Yeah? Yeah. So that's what I... And also, I mean, for song, any thoughts? Um, because I think your work is um, directly dealing with uh, kind of human intervention in nature, right? The very uh, nature light that we have in our house. Yeah. So do you think that your work, in a way, um, pushes back against this, uh, this kind of relationship we have? Or is it actually an extension of it? Um, I'm not sure that. I, I, I think it has a little bit of both because every time when I'm back in the nurseries photographing, I, I just can't help but, but think of the way uh, bonsai plants are, um, uh, were being created and uh, are also um, being uh, sort of like looked at and celebrated at, at, at the same time. Because, because to me, I think um, bonsais will, will actually be the epitome um, that will actually be the epitome and, and sort of like the it, it, it reflects the, the degree of which we are really playing around 
and and manipulating and designing and controlling um, something that is uh, from nature. So um, I I I I I I don't know whether um, it's again is 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 against or it's very is complicit with the colonial dichotomy, um, but I I would say it to me is really just a. a a uh, very honest kind of um, reflection to what what's really happening, uh, be it uh, the movement of plants and the way we, we we are using them and the way we are controlling them. I think that you kind of flip it around as well. You're using a man-made object of the pots yeah. to create a landscape. Yeah. So I. I think the, the relationship is just not just one way. You're you're playing around with the you know what is natural after all. I think it kind of relishes in the you, you relish the fact that maybe our relationship with nature is so corrupted and fallen that this is what constitutes as natural right now. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I that's 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 what that's what I gathered um with with working or looking at potter plants for for for, for for, for several years because like I said to me the potter plant it starts off as something that's natural and then we commodify it and then we mass produce it in landscaping but in terms of but in the case of my my installation with the the plant pot that actually sort of like reverses that 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 flow so uh, I mean right now I'm I, I'm just going I'm just going sort of I sort of like going with the flow um, to to how the work itself is going to lead me. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, this is from Dorit. Um, it's for Zen. Does she intend to move in this direction of the new work and create similar installations? And is there a reason for her to choose the Song Dynasty as an inspiration? Thanks for the question, Dorit. Um, yeah, I think no doubt I would continue to produce works that are with uh, found or repurposed uh, furnitures or objects. I think that is um, in line with the development of my work, um, I think as an environmental artist. Um, and also, I mean, personally, I love nature, I love plants. If you, well, one day I will show you a picture probably on my Instagram of all the plants of like maybe hundreds that I have in my balcony <laughs> and still greedy trying to get more. Um, so, so I think that that is kind of a lifestyle and uh, a personal passion, I think, and a way of living, I think, for me, that nature fits into my life in that sense. And, and for me to also relate to nature, even on a smaller scale, um, where I see myself being smaller and, large, and then nature being larger, and I, I somehow have to adapt as well to, uh, to this found objects, which I see them as, um, as, as larger works of nature. Um, I think it is also in line with other kind of installations and sculptures I made as well, where I think the, the elements of chance, which is in a sense nature as well, um, takes, I think, uh, a key role in my work. And I have to kind of adapt and, um, and, and work along with it and, and find solutions and respond to it as well. Um, and I mean, of course, with this COVID period, uh, it is challenging. But I think all the artists have mentioned the, the challenges. And for me, uh, I also, I mean, I love materials and play with materials as well. So uh, what I see in my new work uh, upcoming, which will be in September, uh, there'll be two exhibitions coming up uh, at NDC. Um, hopefully, uh, that will happen uh, where I'm actually working with new materials that are very close to where I live now. I think it will be a material where everyone has access to. In fact, you can create it as well if you with you at your own house, which is uh, plants and native plants and as well moss and uh, weeds that are near, uh, near anybody, anybody's house around the world. Uh, so, so that's one thing that I will be creating uh, for the upcoming show. I think specifically for Song Dynasty as an inspiration, I think particularly I'm looking at the late Song Dynasty, uh, which is um, more of a, a part, I mean, early on uh, in, in Song Dynasty landscape paintings, even from the Tang Dynasty, there's a lot of the artists responding uh, to 
how the situations in the world or at court, right, in the dynasty, the political situations that were at hand and they were responding to that. And a lot of them have to retreat into nature in a sense to, to find their identity and to communicate the, the sense of distress or what that face in their life. Uh, so it was still kind of a description of the visible world of what is happening uh, out there. And they are representing their ideas through um, images of nature uh, in their paintings. And in, in the late Song Dynasty and to the Yuan Dynasty, then when they, these painters uh, then start to look at paintings as, a, as an extension of themselves as an artist. Um, so the, the, the paintings becomes talking about the artist's uh, mindscape, the artist's uh, way of uh, looking into life or even thinking about life as such. And that is why there was also a lot of influence from um, uh, religious or, or cultural uh, influences in their work. Um, that is why the, the ideas of Buddhism or Taoism is also present then in some of these paintings. But I think the religious component is not quite there in my work, but more of a spiritual kind of journey into nature. And also the, the, the Chinese painting has the sense of journeying, uh, the sense of traveling in fact, and I think it's very much apt in this work because there's a lot of this imagination that happens within the mind where you're journeying through a landscape of different scale. Uh, when you look at images, uh, not just in the constructed landscape I've created with a lot of photographs, uh, but also in how I appropriate uh, and how you juxtapose the different facets and, and motives um, of nature, the different skill and different parts of the cabinet. Yeah, so that is why I find uh, yeah, Song Dynasty, particularly the late Song, uh, to be very appropriate, I think, for my work. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. Are there any more questions that are coming in? Uh, and yes, a bit of gray area surrounding the fact. Uh, I think uh, I think Zen's work also raises an interesting uh, framework because hers is influenced by a more Eastern um, view of uh, you know humans' relationship to nature um, as being on one level. Uh, you know, um, sort of showing the interiority of a person. And also on another level is uh, how humans are the scale of minuscule compared to the larger universe, right? And then that's shown in the traditions of Chinese landscape painting. So I think, yeah, maybe, maybe we can take up that conversation privately. Uh, and if you have any more questions with the artists regarding this area, um, is there anything else that anyone wants to ask? Um, um, I believe just a reminder, like if anybody wants to ask, please feel free to unmute yourself so you can be, we can hear you. Yeah. 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 Actually, I think one of the questions that I wrote down and I didn't get to ask is um, what kind of alternative con conceptions of ecologies do you think uh, art can propose? You know, what kind of alternative relationships um, to nature? Do you think anybody can take that? I think there is a trend in our world. Robert, you're muted. Yeah, Robert, I think you got muted, so we can't hear you. I think, I think there's something that is in all our works, although it doesn't appear to be so, is that we all fight against a trajectory to consume nature as a kind of commodity or a kind of spectacle or as a kind of uh, experience. Um, and, and it is, uh, I think we try to raise that kind of uh, position that, you know, we have undoubtedly consumed nature in different ways. Um, and 
I think we highlighted, but I think art can also uh, imagine new ways of how, how, how then can we encounter or think about art with, from a point that it's not about consuming it. You know, how, 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 how do we not, how do we then have a relationship with nature that's not just pure consumption, like even on a level where you experience it for a beautiful and calming kind of factor, you know, how, how, how else can we think or, or look about nature without kind of, um, uh, from, from a very consumerist point of view. So I think our, our works kind of touch on different parts of that. I think so. So I think art, or at least, at least what I think we can try to do is try to establish new positions or new ways of kind of engaging with nature besides um, just really from uh, as a spectacle or as a thing to kind of consume. Anybody want to add? Or oh, any more questions? Okay, if there are no more questions, maybe we can wrap up. Um, yes. Everybody for sharing, uh, I learned a lot today and uh, about your practices as well as the approaches you have uh, behind your work. And if, if anybody has any more questions, maybe you can write to, let me zoom our Facebook page and then ask. Yes, please, uh, please feel free to let us know. And we will direct the questions to the artist. Yeah. Thank you so much again, guys, for coming in and joining us today. Yeah, mm. thanks a lot. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, have a nice, have a nice evening to you guys. Mm -hmm.